Today is um, on Romans 8, and we're doing Lesson 12. Throughout the book of Romans, Paul has argued that God counts us all as righteous because of what Christ did on the cross. I love how Michelle put it, Jesus did the work for us. Even though we are still sinners, these sins are counted against our old nature. The old nature is not counted in who we are in Jesus. We went from slave and master to child and father. We still must fight against our flesh, not to be saved. Jesus did that already. Our focus should be our, on our relationship with God and doing his will. We need to stay in fellowship with God through our, through our Bibles, our devotions, and um, fellowship with other Christians. But most of all, communication with God in prayer. Another way I like to communicate with God is through journaling. At our last koinonia, I shared with the ladies in our group that I love to journal. I love to journal to God personally. I started out with, dear God, for the day, it's the week, whatever passes. And here are a few examples. These are only a few. I didn't want to carry all of them. So um, these are all my journal journals to God that I do every day. This particular journal, though, is a special one. This is the journal that I journaled when we decided to have Rylan. Um, <clears throat> oh, I lost my place when I moved. <laughs> um, love to journal, I hope. When we decided to have Rylan, in it, it reads about how I would turn to God to be my heavenly husband, to make all of the decisions because I knew my earthly husband couldn't make these decisions because of his unbelief. I trusted God in every decision, but in my flesh, there were times where I doubted. In tears, I would say, I still trust in you, Lord, but I'm human. And, um, but he always got me through it. Through, through it, God was always faithful, and he always told, kept me near him, comforting me. God was... Um, just always there for me. You know, there was times we went through a lot in um, the decision-making, and God always spoke in my ear, my heart, or whatever you put it. My husband used to say, how do you know that's God talking to you? To you? And I'm like, we just know, you know, we know. And especially when the answers come, and, and you know, he's just faithful. So anyways, <clears throat> so... Because I listened to God through the whole process, I now have a beautiful son. He's not perfect, but I'll take not perfect anytime because he's just like me, not perfect. Right? (laughs) I think the main reason why I like to journal is when I doubt, I get to reread how God comforted me through the times of fear and how he let me know that he was right beside me during the battle and how I got get to now glorify him. And um, I get to reread it in my journals how even though I thought, oh, all is lost, I get to read, no, God got me through it, and I got through that one. One day, Rylan will read it, 
and he'll be able to read how much he was loved, how much he was wanted, and how much God got us through this. Got us both through this. In Romans 8, shows shows us how to live by the Spirit and to um, let peace rule in our hearts. The Holy Spirit within us continually continually testifies to us that we are children of God. He gives us assurance with God to convince us that nothing can separate us from his love. This, This is a message of hope because we know our future are bright in Christ. In the first part of Romans 8, we learned if we live according to our flesh, what we want, we will die. But if we live by the Spirit, what God wants, we will live. Let's open up in prayer before we read. Father God, I just thank you. I ask that you would get rid of these little jitters that I have, Father God. I ask that the breath that you put in my lungs, Father God, that they would come out and speak to the women out here, Father God, that they would know how much you are, they are loved, Father God, by you. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So anyways, this is kind of low, but okay. Reading in the um, NLT. Romans 8.18, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Verse 18, Paul spoke about physical difficulty like cold and hunger as he traveled. He also spoke about physical pain uh, problems that was a painful nuisance to him. Paul had people who opposed him and punished him because of God's message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Good morning, Tina. I think Paul was a good authority to speak in suffering. In the book, in his book, The Making of a Man of God, Alan Redpath wrote, there is no victory without a fight, and there is no battle without wounds. One thing Paul was sure of was that he would suffer for only a short time. Glory would last forever. Present pain is very slight when we compare it with the life we'll have in heaven. When affliction and suffering brings you to your knees, that is when the power of God has its strongest effect. In Second Romans 2.10, it says, That is why for Christ's sake I delight in my weakness in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. Amen. Romans 8, 19 through 22. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, all the creation looks forward to the day when he when it will join god's children children's glorious freedom from death and decay for we know all creation has been growing all as in pain of childbirth right up to the present moment when god created the earth 
he made every blade of grass the perfect shade of green. The flowers were always blooming. Every stream was crystal clear. Every tree bared fruit. God saw that it was good. Paradise was created. Then he gave it to his firstborn son, firstborn, Adam and Eve, as an inheritance to have stewardship over paradise. But as we all know, they traded the truth for a lie, and they sold their inheritance. The door was opened to God's once perfect world for disease, disaster, death, and decay. Paul was using the example of creation, moaning, and and decaying because when mankind fell, creation fell too. In Genesis 3.17, it says, And to the man, he said, Since you've listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you, and your life you will struggle to scratch out a living from it. The world itself suffers. The world had lost its original purpose. However, God promised that he would restore it. He He would restore his world when he returned. Until then, the world will moan and cry out, just like a woman who gives birth to a child in pain. Romans 8, 23 through 25 and we believe all we believers also groan even though we have the holy spirit within us as a foretaste <clears throat> of, of future glory it keeps going over and over uh, just ignore that lady in the front here <laughs> anyways um For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager eager hope for the day God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including our new bodies. He has has promised us. We were given this hope when when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something, we don't have it yet, have yet. We must wait patiently and confidently. As part of creation, we, we too groan. We groan over finances, broken relationships, nature's disaster, terminal illness, and death. Our bodies suffer pain, but one day, one day pain and death will end. In Revelations, 21.4, it says, He will wipe every tear from our eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow, sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Amen. We have God's promise. He is returning. He is coming back for us. It's as if we are children in an orphanage waiting with our bags packed, our adoption papers in our hand, waiting for our father who we will call Daddy. The Holy Spirit is like the first fruit of the harvest. The first fruit is only the beginning of the harvest. It is like a promise that the full harvest will follow. 
We only know part of the story. We have only received our first fruit, our salvation. There is so much more to come, and I, for one, am keeping God to his promise about the new body. (laughs) I am waiting for that size six I used to be many, many years ago. But that's another story. Anyways, (laughs) Romans 8, 26, 27. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows that what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I saw this picture of a beautiful child kneeling down next to her bed praying, and the caption below said, Lord, I can't say in words, can you just listen to my heart? Understand that, right? I've been there before. You get on your knees to pray and nothing comes to mind. I know I need to be on my knees before the Lord, but I don't know what or who to pray for. When I first was saved, I thought the Holy Spirit just took up space in my heart. I was always told there's a hole in the heart, and the Lord comes in and fills that that hole. Kind of like a stamp telling God she belongs to us now. But he is so much more. He petitions God for our present situation, how to pray for others and for ourselves. That is, the Holy Spirit will speak on our behalf. The Spirit knows about our pain, and he knows about the pain in the world. He knows what God wants for us. God knows our thoughts and our mind and the mind of the Spirit. So God will answer prayer of the Spirit on behalf of us. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would be our advocate. In John 14 and 16, it says, And I will ask God, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. I looked at the word advocate, and it says, a person who speaks or writes in support or pleads on behalf of another person. Since last year, I now ask the Holy Spirit to go before me in prayer. Romans 8.28 And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good the good of those who love God and are called according to his, to his purpose for them. This verse doesn't begin with, we hope we suppose, or we wish, but rather we know we have a promise founded on the character of our creator. This wonderful promise does not extend extend to everyone. This amazing promise is only for those who love God. In 1 John 3.18, he reminds us how to show our love. Dear children, let us love with, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. Love is more than a feeling. It's, it's not passive. It is an action. Love is what drove God to send Jesus to die for us. So in the same way, For all things to work together for good, we must love God and be willing to go 
and do as he directs. Stand on that promise. God is faithful. Romans 8.29, For God knew his children in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. It's amazing to me that God even chose us. It is more amazing to me, it is more amazing to know that God thought about us in the beginning of all time. He knew who we would be and what would take to bring us back to him. This is an, an encouraging verse. It is one that I will let penetrate deep into my heart. God's desire has always been to be in a relationship with us. In Second Peter 3.9, Peter said that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone should come to repentance. The Bible says that he is hoping that all should turn to repentance. God does not force anyone to choose him. However, he has made it possible to be reconciled to him through the death of, res- of the death and the resurrection of his son Jesus. He did everything possible to restore you to the state of state mankind was before the fall. And then he left you with the choice. We need to return to our first love, and that was God. That is God. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, Choose life so that you and your children may live. Romans eight thirty. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. In many states, when you adopt a child, a new birth certificate is issued. The adopted, the adoptive parents are listed as the birth parents. And the original birth certificate is sealed only to be opened by the court order. This is done so that the adopted children can obtain every right that a natural-born child would possess. What an amazing thing adoption is. The good news is the same is true for us as born-again believers. God has adopted us into his family, and we will receive every right and privilege as his child. Romans 8.31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is a question that we should be asking ourselves regularly. David held this perspective thought throughout his entire life. He wrote in the Psalms, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That's in Psalms 118.6. He pinned this during turmoil and unrest. David knew God. David knew God and knew that God loved him. And in that light, nothing else mattered. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's Psalms 27.1. When we're going through the battle, remember, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
Romans 8, 32 through 37. Since we didn't, since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one for God himself have given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ died for us and was raised for life for us, and he is sitting in place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or persecution or hunger or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, as the scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. We don't have to question, oh, sorry. We don't question whether or not God can do these things. We question whether or not God will do them for us. If God doesn't condemn us based on the fact that he is the one judging us, who can condemn us? God showed his love for us over 2,000 years ago. He put into plan that Jesus would die a criminal's death so that we could be reconciled to him. He knew the plan all along. The plan was finished when Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and death for us. Who can accuse us before God? The Bible tells us no one. In verse 36, Paul is quoting the Old Testament in Psalms 44:22. Yet for your sake, we face death all day long, We are considered as sheep to to be slaughtered. This is because Paul is, Paul and his um, companions literally faced death every town that they went to. They were beat in prison and even stoned for the sake of Christ. Yet he said it was for our sake they faced such things so that we could understand God's love for us. He wanted the world to know the truth that it is in Jesus Christ and in encouraging us that nothing can separate us from God's love. In Romans 8, 38 through 39, And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither our fear for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.